When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to our latest 1871 podcast Saturday episode with Dylan Kerr, Johnny Hunt, and me, Mark Roach. And we have another episode coming up tomorrow when we'll be choosing our greatest Reading captain from the last 50 years and our greatest Reading player from the last 50 years. So looking forward to that one. So it's the final game of the season today at Luton. So let's hope the boys can avoid ending the season with three defeats. Um, And of course, it wasn't like this back when today's special guest was playing for Reading. So I'm delighted to introduce the one and only... John Salako. Hello, John, and welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Yeah, absolutely delighted to be with you. Well, really appreciate you being on. And, and John, of course, you're you're better known outside of Reading uh, as playing for Crystal Palace in, in England, of course. But um, I actually get the impression that, that you really enjoyed your time at Reading. Was that the case? I absolutely loved it. It was, um, it was weird, really, because I'd gone to Charlton and Kerbishley brought me in. We absolutely smashed the championship, won that, went into the, the Premier League. And, you know, Curb said to me right from the off, I've got a couple of young lads, John Robinson and Sean Newton. They are fantastic, but I need someone to kick them up the arse, give them a bit of competition. And mm-hmm. that. And whenever you're successful, you need a, a squad that's going to be competitive and you need people chomping at the bit to, to play. And, you know, Sean Newton and um, John Robinson absolutely smashed it. And I didn't get to play as many games I'd, I'd like to have played. We went into the, the Premier League and we stayed there. We finished eighth twice. And, um, you know, the team was fantastic. And, you know, I, I, I played in the reserves uh, against Tottenham uh, at the Valley and we won 3-2 and I scored the winner. And I was going back to my car and there was uh, Martin Allen and uh, Alan Pardew. And Alan's like, Sal, Sal, Sal. I'm like, okay, how are you doing, Alan? Are you all right? Yeah, I said, look, we want you to come uh, on loan to to Reading. And I'm like, well, I don't know, what, you League One? I'm like, okay. Um, Well, look, I I don't think Curbs will let me go, but I'll go and and ask. And then I started, and I was walking back to the the dressing room because I knew Mervyn Day and Keith Peacock and, and, um, you know, Kerbishley were still there. And um, I was thinking, well, do you know what? 
I could play some games, but Kerb's never going to let me go. So I'm too important to the squad. And, and this is one of those football moments where you realise <laughs> I walked into there and he's like, how are you doing? I said, yeah, do you know what? I've, I've got an opportunity to go to Reading. Um, what do you think? He went, yeah, take it. Go, go. <laughs> <laughs> I was absolutely devastated. I walked out choked. I was like, uh, but I thought, uh, okay, yeah, shut the door on your way out. I was like, <laughs> I went back and, uh, and I, you know, as soon as I arrived, um, it was incredible. I mean, obviously, we were training down at Wrighton and it was back to the basics because I think I came through that way with Palace. You know, we, we didn't have a great training ground and, you know, it was, it was young kids off the street like Wrighty and Brighty and, you know, all those, all those lads. I'd been with Marcus Hanneman at Fulham, obviously. And, you know, even at Fulham, we trained at the Bank of England. So, you know, I wasn't up to anything plush or, you know, there wasn't great expectation. I mean, the ground was fabulous. Medeski Stadium is, is lovely. So that was brilliant. But the training facilities weren't fantastic, but just took to the lads straight away. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I mentioned that we're choosing our greatest Reading captain tomorrow and obviously you played with Graham Murty at Reading. What was he like as a, as a teammate and, and as a leader? Do you know, I really didn't see Graham too much as he was a leader in dressing room. He was a fantastic right back. So when I was there, there was lads finding their way and making their careers. Young, young like Nicky Shorey was on the other side. Um, obviously, Sidwell. Um, but when I when I came into the, the club, um, Phil Parkinson was my captain and he was a proper captain. He was a proper, you know, he was a sergeant major drilled. He was, you know, he was always on time, impeccably dressed, you know, never put a foot out of line, led by example. Um, he was fearless. He was aggressive. You know, he wasn't a most talented player, but he was a midfield general. Um, and he bossed that midfield and he, he he earned you the right to win games. And, you know, Phil Parkinson is one of those guys that, you know, you, you, you say it jokingly, but if you were to go out to war and in the trenches, I would want to be led by Phil Parkinson. I'd want him right there by my side. Look, Graham is a fantastic player. And, you know, when I was there, we were coming through and Graham was a, was, was a hardworking, talented player lad and what he's gone on to achieve he just you know all those boys have you know just just gone on and on and achieved so much and I'm so proud of them and I'm, I'm I, I do you know what I'm delighted for them because they're great lads um you know the most impressive thing you know Graham was a Graham Mercy is a is an incredible driver and I think we went on some pre-season go-karting and he was incredible and he always had you know, an, an M5 or a, or a Lotus or something. And he, I remember going driving with him and he was just the yeah. most incredible driver. Actually scared the, the, the bejeebies out of me, if I'm allowed yeah. to, uh, without swearing. But great lads, great lads. Yeah, and um, we, we talked about this type of thing a lot on, on this podcast, about, you know, the character of the players. And, and, you know, Phil Parkinson is obviously a contender for, greatest Reading captain as well. Um, Martin Hicks, A.D. Williams, um, you know, they're, they're up there as well. And um, how much of your enjoyment of playing at Reading came from characters like Martin Allen and, and just that sort of camaraderie and the character of 
people, you know, not just players, but people like Phil Parkinson and Graham Murty? Yes. So just to clear that up, I mean, obviously, when I signed, um, I'd spoken to Martin and Alan, but Martin actually left straight away. Yeah. So that had gone in the background. So when I arrived, it was actually just Alan. And then... um, uh, you know, it was Kevin Dillon, assistant manager, and we had Eddie Vivesh, obviously A.D. Williams, uh, and they were the senior guys with Phil Parkinson. Uh, and John, Johnny Mackey was the young sort of um, centre-back. And then, obviously, Marcus Hanneman came. Who else did I, you know, sort of missed out on on, on um, Sonko. Uh, so, we, you know, we were building, and, and Matthew Upson obviously came. So when... When I came, it was really, Phil was captain, A.D. Vivation and A.D. Williams were the big, you know, were the senior um, voices in the side. But do you know what? I gravitated straight away to your Harpers, to your Hugheses, to your Semi-Igos, to your, you know, <laughs> I love Jamie Curitan, Nicky Forster, Martin Butler. You know, it, we, it was such a, it was such a lovely dressing room. Uh, in a sense where it was so easy to go in there. And it's hard to explain that to people that, you know, dressing rooms are so hard to go in and, and mm-hmm. slip into and identify with. Yeah. But all those boys, um, you know, I was sort of at a nice stage in my career where, you know, I knew where I was and I was just, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to be part of the group. And, it, you know, I've got to tell you a brilliant story that, um, so, you know, Stevie Brown came, Stevie Brown was another one, and Nicky Forster and and Sidwell. So we all came from um, over near Junction 8 of the M25. <laughs> so we actually all put two and a half grand in each, and we bought this Ford Mondeo. We used to meet on Junction 8, <laughs> um, and then we'd, we'd designate a driver. And um, we would drive in, and we, we would leave nice and early, beat the traffic, go and have some breakfast, because... You didn't have a training ground where you got breakfast. So we would stop at a calf and we would get some, some scrambled egg on toast and some beans. And do you know what? It was so brilliant. It was so fantastic. The camaraderie we had in that car and, you know, it, it was, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. And then, you know, we'd arrive nice and early and you get into your training and, uh, you know, Johnny Fern, the physio, you know, it was fantastic. I just remember it was just such a lovely time and, and we had such a good team spirit. And, you know, with your Nicky Shores and your Grey Murtis, they say it just knitted together and your Igos and your Hugheses. It was such a good dressing room. Mm. Dylan, do you, do you want to come in? No, oh, like I say, yeah, I mean, were you, was Jeff, were you at Palace when Jeff Hopkins was there? I was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought so, because uh, I, I, I forgot to ask Jeff this, this afternoon. Because we spoke to Jeff and, you know, he's doing well in Australia, winning uh, second, his back-to-back women's title in the Australian Women's League. You know, and, and I, re- I remember he used to, you know, uh, he used to mention you when he was at Palace. But, you know, when, you know, what, what was the difference when, you know, obviously you were, <laughs> when you t- when you said to Curbs, you know, they're interested, he said, yeah, you can go. You know, when, when, was you apprehensive to go or, or were, were you happy to go? Once you'd left and, and, and closed the door behind you. Yeah. Or exactly. slammed. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, really, really interesting question because it was obviously, I was going from the Premier League, you know, to League One. And, um, you know, 
you kind of think I was part of it, but I suppose what it made you realise that it's just I wanted to play games and, and where I was. I think if Curves had genuinely said, look, Sal, I really want you to be part of this group and you're important. And, um, and I think that's one of the things that managers do. They bring in players that they want to inspire other players and to push other players. And in a way, I'm, I'd like to think it was nice of him to think, look, Sal, you know, you've done a great job for me. You've been here two and a half years. Look, you know, I understand you need to go and play games because you just can't keep sitting on the bench and keep knocking on someone's door going, can I play, can I play, can I play? Um, so that's the hard bit of management. Um, so, yeah, I think there was a little bit of me that was apprehensive because one of the things I got taught from an early age and one thing I did know is you can always go down. But you can't go yeah. up. So once yeah. you leave the Premier League, you you know, once you filter down, um, so that's the one thing I was very aware of that, you know, once I go down, is that, you know, I'm not going to go back. But I think I accept, because at the time, don't I, I was sort of, I'm going to Reading on loan to play some games, to get some fitness and, and, and crack back, yeah. But in all honesty, you know, it was a great, it was, it was a really good move for me. And it was a great time. And to be honest, I think physically where I was, was probably more of realistic rather than, you know, me mentally of where I was. So it, again, you've got to adapt to all those, those little bits that you don't want to accept, but you know, you, and then when I get there, I mean, geez, Husey, Harps, I go, you know, they're running and you're just like, you know, these lads are quick. Nathan Tyson, you just, oh, please give me a break. <laughs> and, you know, and, you've got to try and keep up with these guys. And, and, that, and that, that is what is physically and mentally tough about football is that, you know, you've got to keep pushing yourself and, you know, obviously, you know, sort of being through a few injuries and coming through, you get a little bit older and these kids are just relentless. They come through, they're so powerful, they're quick, they're strong and they're ambitious. And, they, you know, that dressing room, as you, you all know, is, is, is fierce and it's a nightmare. Yeah, Johnny, do you want to come in now? Yeah, I was just saying, John, you, we've talked about it with other people about when you were there, that was the foundations for what Reading become in the 2000s. That, those two seasons, the, the promotion and then the championship, that momentum, what was that like to be part of? It was, it was fantastic because straight away we hit the ground running. So that, that first, so I came in the October and then, you know, that season was when we, we sort of were doing so well. Then we hit a wall and we had to go down to Brentford in the last game, you know, and get a result to, you know, and Brighton with Zamora were flying and, and, and we've really sort of, we really started in those last sort of seven, eight games of the season. It was, it was terrible really, but, and it was a nervy going to Brentford and, and obviously Jamie Curran came up with the goods and, and I think that celebration where we came back, and what was wonderful was we, we came back, we went back to the hotel, we had a fantastic party, the lads all got together, we spent the next day together, we had an open top bus, and and I even think I I think I stayed that night as well. Uh the next night, um obviously uh missus and kids are wondering where I I I've gone to, I've gone over, but that kind of brought us together that camaraderie that team spirit that you know we just spent 48 hours together you know sort of 36 you know sorry sorry 48 56 hours together and it was just incredible and and 
that togetherness I, I think is very rare and, and hard to find but we just gelled and I think you just had those personalities that I mean forever I will always just sort of be friends with your Jamie Curitans, your Nicky Forces, your Butlers you know even if I haven't seen him for five six years we'll just be able to go back to a space in time where we remember getting that promotion getting the team up and then the next season we we, we got into the playoffs and I think we lost to Wolves um, and then obviously that was the foundation, as you said, for the team starting to strengthen and go. And then obviously Steve Koppel came and, you know, the rest is history. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and uh, you mentioned that kind of moment that changed for you and you sort of in a way got lucky, didn't you, with, with what happened. But did um, Alan Pardew and Martin Allen ever sort of say to you why why they turned up like that? Had they been sort of looking at you for a while? Did they explain it or did you just go straight in and no explanation? Well, no, I mean, to be honest, I mean, you know, when they first came and, and made the approach, it was Alan and, and Martin. And then in between me going there, obviously, you know, by the time I got there and signed, Pard said, look, Martin's moved on. I was like, you know, great, but I had a history with Alan and Alan explained it to me. And it was, it was, it was very similar with Curbs. You know, Alan said, look, I've got a young team. I'm building a squad. I want a certain mentality. I want you to come in there and I want you to add experience. I want you to come and add, you know, some quality. And I, but, and it's so important to have, you know, the spectrum in that dressing room of you've got the young lads coming through. You've got the, the, the lads in the middle who are fighting for those contracts and then you've got those senior players that, um, you know, can actually build that and, and galvanise those players and, you know, sort of help those players to 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 achieve what he wanted. So he was very clear in his picture of where he wanted to go. It was very much, we want to get promotion. We're going to get out of this league. We're going to get out of the next league. And, th- and this team with the stadium uh, and the dreams that, you know, Sir John Medeski's got, we, we're going to push on and, and get into the Premier League. So Alan was always very ambitious and he always, and, it, and, and that was brilliant because he told me and he, he sold me that dream, which is one of the reasons why I signed, because you've got to know that there is a plan. They know, you know, the manager at least knows where he's going. He's got the backing from the board and, you know, let's, let's kick into this and get going. Yeah, and did you did you feel that you went into a, a new environment? Obviously, you got that connection with with Alan Pardew, um, and did that help you just sort of settle in really easily, or was it a combination of of him and all the players, and you just sort of hit the ground running? Is that kind of how it went for you? Yeah, I would say yeah. I think the fact that obviously I I I'd been with Alan at, at Crystal Palace for for six seven years, we'd had you know some nice success. I sort of knew about Alan you know, obviously on the treadmill of becoming coach and manager, um, you know, we weren't any by any means friends and, you know, sort of phoning each other and, but it, it was nice to to get the call, but it was, it, it was nice. And I think it's, it is really reassuring and comforting when you, you know, someone and, mm. you know, you can, you can sort of build, have those blocks there to, to start off with. And, but what was brilliant was obviously there was just such a nice um, vibe in the team with the lads, you know, there was such a down to earth, lovely, hardworking group of lads. Really, they were, they were, they were brilliant. And, um, you know, we had Niall Clark came in. I'd worked with Niall at, um, at Charlton. He came in as a sports scientist and, you know, 
Niall was a, a top, top sports scientist. And I can remember, you know, we came in and we were getting that bit of explosion, speed, power. You know, we were doing all the right things to, to, to progress. Mm. Um, and certainly, look, we did, we did, as I said, we didn't have the training facilities by any means. But sometimes I think that that actually brings out the best in you. It's like boxers, you know, you, you, know, you, you want it down and, and nitty gritty. You want it, you know, not, you don't want the most salubrious uh, surroundings because it can spoil you and um, take away that edge. So we were young, hungry, you know, that, that squad was really very ambitious, very hungry and very talented because, you know, of obviously what, what a lot of those guys have gone on to do. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and Dylan, you, you talked about this a lot, haven't you? And what there's obviously some comparisons with, with your time, but you know it's it's good to to get from John that that insight into um, you know the mentality of the of the players and the, and the focus and the hunger. We, we've talked about it a lot, haven't we? Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, it's, it's it's like you know when you when you when you listen to John there, it's you know you had the youngsters coming through that were hungry, they were trying to get a contract, trying to get a team. You had the senior players, you had the older, respected players. You, we had the same, you know, squad of players that, that were, were always pushing and always trying to get your position. You know, you never wanted to get injured. You never wanted to be subbed because you knew that your, ch- your chance maybe have gone for the next game. You know, sometimes you sneakily played with an injury, you know, even even though you, you weren't 100% because, you know, you, d- you were afraid to lose your position. You know, I remember watching John at Palace. I actually watched him at Reading when he uh, one year when I went down as uh, as a guest. And you know, when he was playing then, it was the same as he was playing when he was younger. You know, and he still had that ambition and that you know drive to play for Reading Football Club. And I'm so glad he he, he rec- recognises Parky because you know Parky. You know, for me, apart from he can't drink because he's a lightweight, but. Uh, <laughs> Sparky for me, he, he, he was, he was that, he wasn't captain for when I was there, it was uh, Keith McPherson, but Parky was like the one m- midfielder that you knew you could get the best out of, even though he wasn't the best player, even though he, he never had the best games, but he was just so, you know, consistent, mm. you know, and, and, and I say, you know, when you've got, play- when we talk about these things, you know, for the, for the supporters that listen, I mean, for you to say, you know, you know, when, when you knew it wasn't going to be happening at Palace, you said for fans to hear you say it was a great choice, it was the best decision you've made to come to Reading. I mean, they probably didn't know that. You know, they're probably thinking, oh, he's he's he's, he's being shown the door through Palace. He's coming here to, you know. But to actually say that, I think this is why these podcasts are really good because it gives an insight to 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 what you were thinking when that opportunity came and that you came when you did. Yeah, do you know what was brilliant was, as you're saying, that it's the hunger and the desire. And I think what Alan explained to me, 
um, as Curbs did, is what you need is in your dressing room. You need an attitude and you need a professionalism and a hunger and a desire that you you know that you need to show the young lads they need to see what you want what you need to be and they need to aspire and that is the spark you so you need that whole and that is the hardest thing as a manager is to hold that all together is knowing you know how to you know you're tempering the youngsters who are on that leash wanting to come through you've got lads who are playing as you said you know you don't want to get injured you get strapped up you you know you you get a jab and you you crack on and you know, then you've got the the older lads who are hanging on, but you actually need their mentality in and their experience in the dressing room. So, you know, for me, there was so many good professionals in there, and we all learned from your A.D. Williams and your A.D. Vivacious and you know your, your, your Phil Parkinson's. He was he was a real incredible catalyst leader. As I say, you know. He was always the first there, the way you talked. And then you you, you talk to each other about your ambitions because I think it's your collective ambitions and you drive each other to what you can achieve. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, football is crazy because it's 11 individuals playing a team sport and it's the guys who buy into each other and have that camaraderie. They have that togetherness, they have that bond and really fight for each other. They're the ones that are going to be successful. So, you know, that, that side really... I, I thought had a fantastic nucleus of hungry, young, really nice guys who were driven and very motivated. And, and John, with um, Phil Parkinson, obviously he's gone on to have a successful career in, in management and, um, you know... We've become boring by the sounds of it. Uh, well, yeah, but apart from that, um, did, very. did you kind of see that within him? That, you know, I know when you're players, you, you just want to play and... Yeah, it's a good team atmosphere. But sometimes you can see, you know, Graham Murty became captain. Phil Parkinson was captain, and you know they've both gone on to become managers. Do, do you kind of get the sense that that's because it's the same with Alan Pardew, really, wasn't it? You know, at, at Palace and absolutely went on to become a, a manager. Did did you kind of feel that with with Phil Parkinson and Graham Murty as well? Do you know it's really weird, and it's a it's a it's a great question in the sense where. I don't think you do. I don't think you can, you have time to think about that. And and what I just said was as an, you're an individual and you're working on yourself and you're within a team structure and you're fighting for your place. You're fighting to be successful. You've got your contract, you've got your family, you've got everything going on in your life. And, you know, when you're in that dressing room, I'd always say you have to be a player, but looking, looking back, if there's one person that I thought, could go on to be uh, a manager is Phil Parkinson. Look, I never saw it with Gareth Southgate. I never saw it with Alan Pardew. I didn't see it with Chris Coleman. I didn't see it with Graham Murty. I didn't because I didn't really think, but I knew them when they were young, you know, when you're a player, you're a player and it's always a funny thing. And we always talk about this and it's a, it's a weird, funny line in, 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 in football you know, it's like crossing over to the dark side <laughs> once you join the management. You know, so, it, it, you know, when you're a player, you're you're looking at life and you behave like a player. And I think to a certain extent, I think people take in, you know, certain managers. I think when I look back, I look at, you know, coaching styles, management styles, how they were, what they did. You know, you, you, you absorb a lot of information well you should and um 
you know, even as a player, you have to understand what your manager wants from you, what your coach wants from you. I think that makes you a better player. I think one of the things I did was I, I started coaching very early. Um, and obviously I had the bad injuries when I was 22. And I went and worked with, um, I, I, got, I got my coaching license, I think when I was 23, I did Dario Grady, you know, two weeks at Lily Shore. And one of the things it teaches you is what do coaches want from you? And you start thinking. And, and I think really players should learn to coach a bit because you, you then reverse the roles. It's a bit like, you know, as a coach, if I've got a, you know, a right winger, I make him play right back or, you know, so that he understands what the challenges are to a right back. Yeah. You know, so it's always setting them targets and, it, and it's that learning and growing. And look, you know, I, I think, you know, to answer your question, sorry, I'm, I'm sort of going around the, 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 the way, but you don't know how much people are absorbing and what they're thinking. So, you know, your grain Mert is, you know, you're just sitting there thinking, OK, I'm sucking that in. I'm, you know, I'm taking my notes and they're saving it for later. You don't know what that latent energy and that knowledge and that power that's in there that obviously... They have been listening. They have been um, taking it in, and they—they they are. There is that thinking that's going. You know, there's thick footballers going on. Oh, no, <laughs> you know, I'll go and kick someone. I'll go and score in the net. I just hit it, and it went in the top corner. It's like actually, you know, I think I think footballers. I I spend my life sort of protecting footballers. We're not we're not the most stupid, and um, yeah. and I think it's just the opportunity. There's a lot of bright clever lads that yeah. have got so much to offer and um, certainly we had we had a few in that group yeah and, and Johnny um, Johnny and then Dylan um, one sort of last question each yeah so John, I'll go for one and a half a quick one so John like you you played under some amazing managers and coaches in the English game what was what was the best bit of advice you were ever given and then just very briefly what do you make of the whole mess at Reading at the minute Oh, do you know what? It's tragic because, uh, I mean, I've got to say, I've got to give a quick mention to Sir John Medeski. When I came, you know, he used to come down to the dressing room and he would speak to the lads and, and that was so powerful. And we knew he cared right at the top. And the staff was so brilliant and everyone, and he, he treated everyone brilliantly. We all felt a million dollars and we felt we were paying for a big club because of him. Um, and certainly, you know, coming there we, 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 was such a joy. But... You know, as a player, you know, Stevie, <laughs> I think um, Stevie Cop was said to, you know, there's a few that he, he, he said, um, look after people, you know, look after people on the way up because you'll meet the same people on the way down. <laughs> and it's such a brilliant thing because um, you do realise that your career is very short. And, that you know, later on, you, you know, when you're when you're in the Premier League and you're the big who I am and you may be earning, you know, but, you know, be careful. Be nice, be humble, be kind, be respectful, because you might need those people down the line. And, you know, they remember you, um, but, you know, for, for kids and, and people try, you know, if anyone's trying to make it in the game, I would say, you know, you've, you, it's got to be everything. It's got to be everything. And you've got to take all the bits of knowledge. I mean, the best person I ever worked with was probably Gareth Southgate. He wasn't the most talented. He was a bright lad, but he took all the sports science. He, 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 do you know what? He trained so hard. He was fit. He was strong. He, all the nutrition, um, you know, he watched games and he was always hungry. He was always the, you know, whenever we had dietitians in or psychologists in or, or nutritionists in, he was the last one there asking questions. You know, he'd like, well, if I eat this and I, you know, we'd all be there. Oh, Gareth, come on. Come. But <laughs> he wanted to learn. He was absorbing, but he was just making it everything that he could be and 
you know, for me, I think I was naturally, I just, I just really wanted it and I was hungry and, you know, you've got to be strong, but you, you've got so many tools there that can make you a little bit better. And I think to earn a living in the game and to be successful um, is, is, is a dream that's so achievable. Obviously, look, it's down to talent, how high you go yeah. and if you touch the stars, but, you know, you can do so much. You can do so much with, yeah. with a lot of knowledge and a bit of ability and a bit of get them go and, and, and a bit of desire, that discipline, that drive. Um, so dare to dream would be my, um, my, my, my saying, I mean, you know, Gordon Strachan, again, another brilliant thing he said, he said, you know what success happens when preparation meets opportunity So be prepared. And if you're prepared, you will find that opportunity. And, and what that really means is that if you prepare yourself, you kind of, you, you break that door down, you know, talk about knocking on doors. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't get a chance. You know, oh, they, they let me go. No, believe in yourself, but keep preparing, keep doing the right things and that door will open, you know, yeah. so keep preparing and that opportunity yeah. will happen. And that's when success happens. And, and on that note, um, Michael Elise, Crystal Palace got a bargain. Where do you think he can go? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Do you know what? I haven't been as excited about a player for, for a very long time. Please do not, please don't go to France. Don't go sign for the French. You know, hopefully, you know, Palace have got Patrick Vieira and he will talk him out of that. But I don't know whether he'll talk, he might talk him into going to France. He is so talented. Um, I love him. He's so down to earth. He's so grounded. But he's so talented. He's got balance, pace, skill. But he's, you know, he's such a lovely lad. I, I, you know, sort of, if you look at, sort of, uh, Wilfred Zaha's got that little bit of, I don't know, aggression, but it's more petulant. And I, you always, you're looking to find, and, and Michael, as I said, just doesn't have that little bit of aggression in him. And I look at people like Mares and Zajic right now, uh, who are playing for, you know, Man City and Chelsea. And they are the standout players. I think he's got that ability. And I think he's got the potential to be that good. But he's got to have this as well. He's got to learn to come on his right foot. He's got to learn to mix his game up. He's got to learn to do work for the team, drop into positions, especially if you're going to be playing in the Premier League. You know, it's so important off the ball, it's on the ball. And get himself into position. So he's got to learn to mix his game up, not just coming on his left foot, but wow, delivery, skill, pace, talent, uh, calmness. The boy, I mean, to be honest, I mean, one of the things I and I, you know, I, I go to Palace quite a lot and do the, the corporate at Palace uh, on, on home match days. And um everyone, bar none, just says, What a bargain, what a steal. Yeah. What a steal from Reading and Reading uh, Reading are absolutely yeah. kicking themselves. Yeah. But look, the eight million must have come in handy at the time. It's very difficult. Um, but you know, Palace have got an absolute star. And you know, I, I want this kid to go on. I think he, he can be absolutely sensational. Uh, and Dylan, I'm gonna let you have the last question. No, I mean, you know, for, for, so if you could put this season you know, football in the in the Premier League, in the Championship, you know, from when we were playing back in the day, John, I mean, yeah. you know, what's the, what's the, what's the difference to to the level we played at and the, the, the you know, because I watch football here and so we get every Premier League game in South Africa. 
on a Saturday we can we we we've got all the games. You know, we we we're spoilt for choice. We don't we we don't just get the the early kickoff and the late kickoff. We get the whole package. Yeah. Because you know the everybody's supports whatever. You know, do you, do you think there's that much of a change now, especially from the younger players? You know, from when you started, when you were playing. Do you think there's much of a change between you know how we were brought up and to the way that the youngsters are, uh, are not making it at the same age level that we made at 17, 18? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's completely changed. It's completely changed. You know, the whole system is now set up, geared up for the players to 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 make it at an older age. We, you know, it, the society in life, we grew up quicker. We were out, you know, riding our bikes. We were... We were stronger. We were fitter. We were we became men quicker. You know, I was playing reserve football at 16, 17. And by 18, you were expected to break through to the first team. Um, I mean, I did a coaching session at, 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 um, at Spurs with the under-15s with Paul Brush, who I played with back at Palace. And, you know, I sort of said to the lads, you know, I asked them a question. I sort of said, right, you know, how are you getting on? When are you going to make it the first team? And the first team, they weren't even... Mm-hmm. You know, it, but their reaction was, well, kind of not even thinking about first team. And I was like, you're 15, 16. You know, you've got to start thinking about, you know, what yeah. shirt. You know, when we were kids, you you went and played and you thought, I want to, I want that shirt. You know, you you put a target and think, I want to play that first team. And you were kind of ready, but you put into men's. And a lot of kids now, they need to go out on loan, but they should be sent out. The under 23s, I think, has killed a lot of players. They need yeah. to go and play men's football, grow up, be stronger. And do you know what? It is, it is unfortunately fitness. I'm oh, sorry, survival of the fittest because mm-hmm. those kids, you know, you're Wayne Rooney's, you, you know, we, we, we're not seeing those kids. You know, you lost his cheeks now coming through so much later, whether it's Walpot or, you know, whether it's, you know, your Foden's and you watch these kids come through and they're probably ready, but mentally with their agents and the way they're treated in the academies, I think they're yeah. sort of, Molly cuddled a little bit too much. I think they're they're pampered. I think you know they they you know you. I mean, I I I was first in coach of Palace in the fifteen sixteen season. I I did the fifth the th- under thirteens. I did the sixteens. And when I was a thirteens coach, you know, came in one day and and Gary is it the the academy director uh, came into the dressing room and he he listened to me. I think we'd lost four one at, at Arsenal. And I, I laid it down for him and he, he pulled me afterwards and he said, look, you know, you've got to go steady on them. You've got, you know, just take it easy. And I'm like, well, they need to hear the truth. They need to understand where they are because I'm the one that's got to say to them, I'm going to let you go. At least I can look him in the eye and say, well, I told you, you need to work harder. You need to do this. You need to do that. I need to be able to look him in the eye, which is what we had. You had genuine coaches looking at you saying, look, you've got talent, but you need to behave better. You need to get here on time. You need to try a little bit harder, you need to track back, you need to get a, an understanding of what the team needs from you, you need shape rather than just think about going forward and, you know, like Ronaldo, when he first arrived at United, Keno said to him, you're a, what, you're a trick pony, where's your end product? You need that and I don't think there's any harm in doing that at 13 or 14 or 15, they need to understand the reality of what they're coming into and the truth is, and, you know, hopefully I'm doing a documentary in the summer about, you know, kids that miss out. Mm. But there's a reason why they miss out. But the truth is only one, two percent can come through. Mm. You yeah. can have 
20 kids in the academy at any age group, how many of those are going to make it? The realistic, oh, agent, family, parents, we're going to make it. Well, the truth is, do your schoolwork. Have plan B, have plan C, but, you know, give it everything and you might have a chance. So it's tough. You know, it, it's so difficult to make it now into into professional football, let alone at the top level. So um, kids have got to want it, but kids have got to understand and parents have got to understand and agents have got to stop this thing where they've got to make sure these kids understand how life works. And what we understand, going back to your question, we understood how life works. So our dads and our mums kicked our asses and said, you've got to do your schoolwork. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. This is how you've got to be because this is the dream that might not happen. Whereas now they go, yeah, of course you're going to be a footballer. Well, you know, it's like watching Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> the X Factor. It's like, you know, yeah, it's a pipe dream that might happen. But unless you dare to dream it, it's never going to happen. Well, look, John, I mean, like- um, talking about... Talking about Elisa, I'm with you. I hope we see him in an England shirt. You know, obviously Vieira there, who who knows what's going to happen, but it'd be nice because he's played for the under-21s, hasn't he? But anyway, um be nice for, for Redding to sail. There's another another one of our players who's, who's got to England or or even France. It'd be quite nice as well. But listen, John, thank you very much. And a reminder for you, the listeners, that on tomorrow's episode... We're choosing our greatest Reading captain and our greatest Reading player from the last 50 years. And that's available from 10am tomorrow. But before that, of course, it's Reading's final game of the season at Luton today. So come on, you ours. And um, John, thanks again for joining us. Fantastic to have you on as a guest. Oh, thank you. Do you know what? I love my time at Reading. I still love Reading now. Look forward to coming down there and I'll try and get down there as much as I can. Really love you guys. Wonderful um, fans, wonderful club. And I'm delighted, you know, we're staying up and uh, upwards and onwards. You know, we deserve it after the last few years of mismanagement. Hopefully uh, we can get it together and, and be back in the big time. Brilliant. Thanks, John. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.